0: Welcome to That Movie Was, a movie discussion podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt, here with my co-host, Michael.
1: Hello there.
0: And tonight we watched a movie called Rounders from 1998.
1: Yeah, it was a great movie. Another, another gambling drama movie with some great actors. Uh, pretty climactic ending, which is nice. It's always good to see. And... uh some really good 1990s filming. Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah. It features a, uh, young Matt Damon. Um, and then a lot of other familiar faces that you've seen before, but definitely, uh, definitely a Matt Damon vehicle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe it's just because it was like the late nineties or I know we were just talking about it, but it's whether or not that like these guys were, there was tons of secondary actors that fell into the film in ways and, uh they were all like a-list actors i would consider them a-list
0: actors. oh definitely yeah i mean matt damon is definitely the uh main character here and he would have been right off of i mean goodwill hunting you know some of those big kind of breakout roles but um
1: yeah this early the mid 90s were definitely when he was coming in with saving pride ryan you said goodwill hunting mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ocean's Eleven was right down, right around the corner. Yeah, I
0: think that was in the real early two thousands. But yeah, just yeah, just, just after. But yeah, I mean, even like you know, supporting actor Edward Norton. You know, it's not even his movie, <laughs> but uh, I mean, he would have been coming off of. Uh, I don't know if this would have been before or after Fight Club, being in nineteen ninety eight. I think,
1: I think it was before Fight Club. Yeah, I think it was just before we're talking. Maybe like a, not even a five-year difference, but I do believe this came out first. That's right.
0: Fight Club came oh. out in 1999, and so that probably really propelled forward Edward Norton.
1: <laughs> Did I say five years? Five I years. meant one year. <laughs> what you <laughs> <I> said? <laughs> one cyclical year. No
0: more than five years, and you were right. So <laughs> uh, okay, I guess. Right. Hey, technicality. I'm a movie <laughs> buff. We
1: do we? You know. Well, but yeah, all, Edward Norton was Matt's side supporting character who was honestly, in this film, uh, the thorn in his side for the most of it. But not even him. My favorite side actor is John Torturo, uh, who is also well known as Jesus in The Big Lebowski. Uh-huh. He also plays Prisoners in No Brother, Where Art Thou? uh if if any of you guys have seen miller's crossing he plays a great uh secondary character in that film as well uh yeah he's very very well known and he honestly didn't have a very large part but he's definitely he's got that matt damon's mentor mentality throughout the film yeah you're right so he didn't have
0: a large part at all he just kind of uh made some you know guest appearances every now and again and just kind of collected that check. But (laughs) yeah, I will say besides like the very
1: beginning, yeah, it's like besides the very beginning where he kind of like brushes off Matt Damon's like coat and gets him back to a straight edge life again. He really just pops in like three or four other times where he's just like, I'm going to share my two cents and then I'm gone.
0: Yeah. If you're looking for something recent that John Turturro has been in, um, there was a HBO miniseries a couple of years back that came out called the night of, That is very good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I looked at that too. I was like, I do remember that. It is a really good one. He's got more more, more of a a
0: starring role in that. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then I want to move over to talking about John Malkovich
0: because
1: (laughs) he played – he's the antagonist in this film, but he is – I mean, Malkovich, that last name, is Russian, Polish, definitely like – Western Europe, but he this was so spot on with his KGB accent and being like a Russian mob member. I thought he did a really freaking good job. Croatian, apparently. He was very Croatian. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. So Western Europe. Yeah. He, he was very aggressive in this film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It plays a character named Teddy KGB, if that tells you all that you need to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is in New York, so it's not like there's a lot of KGB members around there in New York. I mean, yeah, but who knows? I don't know anything about the Russian. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know anything about that stuff. So who knows, man? But yeah, he did a great job. You might know John Malkovich from his many other films. He played a movie with uh what was it called? Red. Yep. It was a two movie series with uh, Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman, right. if I'm correct. That, yeah, and then he was just in. If you guys are interested in finding out who this is, he plays in that new series with Steve Carell, Space Force, that's on Netflix right now. So yeah, he's his, he's Steve Carell kind of right hand man as part of the space program. So which I think he does a pretty good job. I don't know John Malkovich for playing a lot of TV series, but uh, yeah, I was not uh, upset to see him uh, being that show
0: well he's the only uh actor in this movie that has a movie that features his name in it being john malkovich if you've ever seen that
1: no i haven't i haven't but man it must be awesome to be john malkovich if he's gotta
0: <laughs> to make a movie to well probably. yeah everybody wants to be him that, that's the right. point of the movie yeah.
1: this stuff's too good for me to just have it by myself i gotta share it with the world
0: yeah. maybe we'll watch that one of these episodes
1: <laughs> yeah for sure i'm always down for a new movie but uh so we've talked about the timing we talked about the actors how'd the movie do uh in the box office like coming into theaters i was only i was a young four-year-old lad at this time so i don't believe i went to go see this in theaters but yeah i can't imagine it didn't do
0: well i wouldn't have been much older um yeah let's look up some of their Box office information here. So, I will say that I believe it got a R rating, and I didn't really. There wasn't anything in the movie that I think warranted an R rating. I mean, these two of the characters get you know beaten up at one point, but other than that, well, there. <laughs>
1: Nudity. I think it's a nudity from the strip club. Oh, there's a second. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh...
1: And then, uh, so uh, another antagonist who's like the lackey for John Malkovich is a character by the name of Grandma. And Grandma uh, had all those hookers that were doing coke in his like little office area or whatever like that. And Also, like, I guess maybe like, I don't even know if this is a thing, but like beating the dog. Animal brutality. I don't know. It definitely, if you're going to say that like a 13 year old would see this movie, I'd be like, that's a little young. That's a little yeah, fresh. That's
0: true. Yeah, I guess a lot of those things could have probably been cut out if they had tried to go for that PG 13 rating. You know, none of it was pivotal to the story or anything like that. But,
1: uh, no, but it does show, I mean, this is underground New York. Like, these guys are going to places where people get chewed up and spat out with their money and maybe even with their life, if they're, you know, betting with the wrong people, but but I think without those things in there, it would have, it wouldn't have carried the message all the way through that. These guys were actually in some serious
0: trouble. That's true. Yeah, definitely. I I guess they were trying to represent just how bad these guys were. All right. So I brought up the Mm -hmm. uh, box office information here. So with a budget of 12 million, dollars for the movie um did end up making a uh you know box office uh, um mount 22.9 million so made his money back and then some
1: oh yeah yeah it's basically doubled up their money that's not too bad can't go wrong didn't end
0: up you know um you know being a runaway success thing like that i will say that it looks like from um some of the uh critical response it got mixed reviews. Um, I don't think it was everybody's bag when it came out, but I think that it's kind of become sort of a um, cult hit, you know, like after it came out on video and stuff, a lot more people have discovered it.
1: Yeah, I will agree with that. To be honest, I've seen this movie quite a few times, and I think maybe for the part of it being a nostalgic film that plays well into it, but taking kind of a closer look into it, um, and I'll make sure to talk about it later when we after we talk about the you know the synopsis of the film but just like Michael's who is Matt Damon Michael McDermott Michael McDermott's like lawyer side like how he was he, they I don't think they did a great job representing Michael's like uh, trying to be a lawyer and like that don't get me wrong they chose a great actor to play this. Also, mentors because Michael's got two mentors. He's got the underground mm-hmm. sign come from John Tortoreo, who's um, c- goes by the name Knish, and then we have a uh, judge that if has favored Michael. His goes by the name Petrovsky, and Petrovsky is kind of his mentor in life more. And uh, I, I'll make sure to bring up later on during one of the themes I got, but really paints. The picture clear enough for Michael to, you know, decide his own fate because he was definitely, he was definitely at a road. He was then a fork in a road in his life, and I think it's what Petrovsky said when they're at the bar that really uh, set him on the path. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, yeah. I mean, but- I think as we do every time, uh, let's dive into. We'll do a synopsis first, then warn everybody that spoilers are going to come after that. You know, as we sort of take a deeper dive into the plot.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the synopsis is just going to go over the major touch things, but we are going to be going into more depth on the film.
0: Right. So synopsis, a young reformed gambler played by Matt Damon must return to playing big stakes poker to help a friend pay off loan sharks while balancing his relationship with his girlfriend and his commitments to law school that pretty much wraps it, you know? Um, yeah. We have that, 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 is, that did
1: put it into like a 60 second elevator speech. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. So it, yeah, basically it starts off that the film. Michael takes a huge hit to his bank account going back to Teddy KG's Beast place. Cause I think through Michael's dream, Michael really wants to find himself in the World Series of Poker. He idolizes those champions. He's lived his life through playing cards and learning the game. And uh, he he tries to take a run at it. And it comes from trying to challenge who he thinks is probably one of the most, uh, you know, experienced and probably the riskiest uh, gamblers in probably all of New York, who's, who's John Malkovich's yep. take ATP, And the biggest Oreo And he loses lover. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, to be honest. And, okay, so we learn in the film that the Oreos play into, uh, you know, uh, John Malkovich's, like, tells oh, through how he plays his cards and stuff like that. But I have to say, that took me forever to figure out. I didn't, I, Matt saw it and he kind of explained it to the movie how he got the tell, but I don't know what he was doing with the cookies, whether or not he was like eating them or like pulling them apart. What was the tell exactly?
0: Oh man. Yeah. I think it was, so from what I gathered from the first, you know, kind of scene where Matt Damon initially loses all this money to Teddy KGB, it's, he had a really good hand when he picked up the Oreo, split it apart, and licked it. I think when he has a bad hand there at the end, or not a bad hand, but he's not as confident, he just picks up the Oreo and like looks at it. I don't. I mean, I think that might be. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think. Well, I think because he eats the cookie if he has a good that's, hand, but he put the cookie back if he didn't have a good that's hand. That's
0: what I gathered from it. And yeah, I mean that's right. so you know I knew cookies had to play into it somehow because yeah, you know, <laughs> like, you <know>, okay, <laughs> cookie use whenever they were uh, playing or ch- featuring Teddy KGB, but yeah, right you're on. right. So you were you were talking about um, sort of in, in the in the opening parts of the film, we get introduced to. <laughs> Matt Damon playing a character, Mike McDermott, he's going through his apartment. He's got all this, uh, you know, bundles of cash kind of stashed away because this is going to be his- Hiding it from his girlfriend, for sure. That's right. Lives with his girlfriend. He's got it hiding and, you know, cut out books and, uh, you know, behind his uh, paintings and stuff like that P- up on- Yeah, his behind
1: picture frames. In the
0: canvas. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they, they are both, uh, you know, Mike McDermott and his girlfriend, New York City law students- uh, but you know, as we cl- quickly find out, that's not what Mike wants to be doing. You know, where he really sees himself is in the World Series of Poker. Um, that's where he's dedicated. Yeah.
1: So after big his big beating, he took about a nine month hiatus from cards altogether, where he was working a night shift as a truck driver, but then also trying to work his way through law school. And we can see, base, very very clearly in the beginning scenes is that Mike is very reliant on his girlfriend to then also what seems like probably very grateful for the fact that, you know, she probably helped him tremendously through those nine months. But uh, it's when Mike has to go to uh, he goes to the prison, he goes to the local correctional facility in New York because he promised to go pick up his uh, childhood friend, worm Mm -hmm. who's played by ed his real name is les murphy who's played by edward edward norton and it's in that scene that day of picking him up and getting back into the swing of things with worm that he starts creeping back into his gambling
0: yeah worm gets him back into it he knows of uh basically some schmucks who have a, uh, you know, poker game going on. Just, you know, some, some uh, rich, like, trust fund guys. And um, anyways, I mean. They
1: really they, paint that picture, they man. Do. They were trust fund looking guys with a, a fake probably cosmic jewel, cosmetology jewelry or whatever like that and the uh, sweater vest working at the local country club. Uh, schmuck is a perfect word you know,
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean you know they, they take them to the cleaners uh you know working together they, they don't let the guys know that they know each other i think one of them poses as like the uh hostess girl who got them in poses as her cousin and then mike yeah less the boyfriend's boyfriend, cousin and then,
1: right mike is the boyfriend correct right. and to be clear they are uh, bamboozling these trust fund guys. They are working together, doing tells, snaps, and play- chip placement on the, uh, on the game to basically you know, help each other win. Right. And I think the way it was going is that one of them had to lose, place big bets on the other person to try and course trust fund people to place in the bets as well, and they are feeding each other cards and things like that. Because Worm during his entire time during the correctional facility was playing cards to, you know, gain favor with the guards, but also make a little bit of smokes that he can trade for his, you know, things that he likes and his luxury in prison, maybe all while trying to, you know, not get his ass kicked. And, you know, because I'm sure during that time, like we saw with these trust fund kids, he was cheating.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting when he was covering like the uh prison economy. How he, you know, he he would play with uh a few different groups and you know, some of them would be for cash, some of them would be for, you know, smokes and trades and stuff like that. But um, you know, just a, he's been able to keep his skills sharp, but obviously, you know, for a lot less that he would be playing for outside a prison.
1: Right. And we get a really good picture of the kind of person that worm is when he's playing his hand at the beginning with the, uh, with some of the, uh, inmates. And I think the prisoner says it right before he's about to walk out the door that says it's foolish to add insult to injury because what we, it's not just how winning the like worm gets when he gets his hands and he wins the cards. It's how he goes about doing it. He does things like if he's got a double pair, he'll say he's got the jacks and then wait for the person to go reach for the, the chips in the middle because they thought they won and then he'll throw the sevens out and say he's got a two pair to win. Really just like shoving their nose into it and giving off this vibe of just being – I think the, the name fits the person. He's a worm. He's slimy. He's, he's wiggly. He tries <laughs> to work his way into situations. All the time, just kind of just being a leech on society. Yeah,
0: you're right. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't just want to win. He, he wants to embarrass you also. Um,
1: yeah, because he runs his mouth. He's a big talker. And uh, they, that yeah. bites him more than one occasion throughout the film.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, so, you know, he, he gets Matt Damon to maybe dip his toe back in. But, you know, Matt Damon says, hey, it's just or Mike McDermott in this movie. Says, hey, it's just for one night. Made a little bit of cash. I think they only made like four fifty each after paying off the uh hostess. The hostess. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so he's hey, it's a one time thing. Like, let me, you know, get back into the swing of my real life. But worm, I mean, he's been in prison for years. He wants to get right back into it. He wants to start making some money. And so um,
1: right. Mike for two reasons, actually. Well, obviously, to make money, but we learned early on that he has gambling debts. He's got, he's got debts
0: that need to be owed. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. so, so Mike uh, brings Worm to this, uh, uh, was it a bar or, you know, they call it the Chesterfield Club in the movie, mm-hmm. um, where there's these underground poker games going on and lets him play on Mike's credit.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, he's getting right back into the swing of things. While Mike is Mike is trying to avoid this as much as possible. I mean, it was nice for him to jump back in. He had to scratch the itch of the poker game after being out of the game so long when that previous night he was playing with the trust fund kids. But now he's in this committed relationship, and his girlfriend is very suspicious of his nightly activities now because when you come back with the gang's roll of cash and He's just trying she's just trying to make sure that Michael's not making the same mistakes. And all the time, Michael's also trying to, you know, keep be the man of his word and not go back to that life. But uh he gets yeah, he gets Worm here set up at the Chesterfield, just tries to get back into the swing of things. He's gotta get back to a big uh lawyer meeting. But uh by worm standards, he's uh back into the swing of things with his Gambling ways—the way he cheats and plays—and it's John Torturo's character, Knish, who comes and picks him up from the meeting, telling him that Worm is taking his reputation and throwing it in the dirt mm-hmm. with every with every play of the hands and everything like that. Uh, and it's to the point, it gets to the point that's so bad that Michael's got to go pick him up and tell him, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing all these things? Why can't you just play straight? Right, he's
0: pissing off some people, and it's. Kind of reflecting poorly on Mike's reputation.
1: Yeah. And not even like, the guy's not even been like three days out of prison. (laughs) He's already, he's already, you know, rubbing, you know, rubbing people the wrong way. And the the man just got out of prison. So uh, we understand why. It's because he's so deep in his gambling debts, but in the same way, it's really, we have two different people here. We have someone who wants to win the game straight up. And it's with that patience that he's trying to get that long-term success. But then we have Edward Norton's character, Worm, who is only in it for the fast short-term payoffs. He doesn't care about playing it straight as long as he's looking out for himself. And he can get those quick in and out payouts where I can take care of myself and I don't care about the consequences as long as I get paid, then he's fine living that way.
0: Right. So you mentioned Mike McDermott's girlfriend's uh, feelings on, you know, basically treats him as a recovering addict, you know, when it comes to uh, playing poker. Um,
1: Right. Yeah. She does seem very extreme about it. And it's almost to the point that like, even even see it the first or a couple interactions with Michael and his girlfriend. Uh, they, he just seems like he's a dog on a very short leash at this point.
0: Right. And worm seems to kind of like, you know, maybe rub his face in that a little bit, you know, kind of, um, saying like, wow, yeah, she's got him on a real short leash and stuff like that. So I think he's trying to goad Mike a little bit to get back into, um, the world also.
1: Right. Right. So, uh. The next, well, why don't we just continue on with the synopsis? What happens What happens after this? Oh, this is
0: straight plot. <laughs> we're getting into Oh, this them. is straight. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, you're right. What, what's, so, what's going on next in the film?
0: So, I think this is where we're introduced to Grandma, um, who is the guy that Worm owes a bunch of money to. Um, so, I think it's Grandma bought all of Worm's Debt, which amounted to twenty five thousand, and he also works for Teddy KGB.
1: Could you imagine owing twenty five G's? just like a crossplay. My gosh, that's terrible. No,
0: and not and to these guys and, either. They, I mean, uh, I guess,
1: but I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is they keep calling it the juice. You know, interest <laughs> is running on all this money. And everything like that. So the longer you pay, the more you're going to – I mean, the longer you wait, the more you're going to have to pay. And uh I can't even think about how much time he must have been spending in prison and all that interest building up. Like, <laughs> we think it's 25 Gs, but I think it's toward the end of the film. It's like he's, they're in like – 30 large
0: yeah it racks up between i think what R- worm originally owed and then i think he's racking up some debt in mike's name too throughout the movie
1: oh yeah good point forgot to mention so after uh worm is playing over at the chesterfield instead of you know cashing out the credit like he took on the books he takes all the money so basically putting michael in debt with the chesterfield just so that Again, just like Worm is to get that fast cash
0: mm-hmm.
1: right here, right now.
0: Yeah, kind of a sleaze.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, being a, <laughs> being a schmuck. We got schmucks in this movie, guys. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But Right. Um, well, yeah, so Grandma buys up all of his uh, gambling debts and basically threatens him and tells him that now that he's got to get his money going. And it's also at this time where uh, – Michael's already made his first fault with his lawyer group and he's on thin ice with his girlfriend. And so he wants to go and apologize to, uh, the judge who, uh, obviously has a warm spot for Michael. And so he goes and finds him at must've been one of his local favorite bars. And he goes to have basically a heart to heart with him.
0: Right. And that's Petrovsky,
1: right? Petrovsky. Exactly. So, um, During this, this is, I think this is a great part of the film. I think it's probably one of the better parts, to be honest. It's this heart to heart that Petrovsky has with Michael, because he can see that Michael is having such personal turmoil. You know, it doesn't really, he doesn't have to explain it, but hes you can see he's at this crossroads and he's kind of stuck in limbo deciding what to do. He can't, he can't have his cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. So, so Petrovsky begins to tell him the story about how uh, his family wanted him to be a rabbi growing up. And he just didn't feel that being a rabbi was his calling in life, which destroyed his relationship with his family. But it's, it's to the point where do I continue living a life lying to myself? Or do I like set myself free no matter what the consequences are just for the sake of knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm here to be the person I want to be. And so my question to you, Matt, Mm -hmm. good. And so I made sure to write it down because Matt, (laughs) after the story, Michael asks Petrovsky if he had to do it all over again, what would he do it differently? Would he, would he have stayed and tried to become a rabbi? And he said, would he've made the same choices? And Petroff, just looks at him and says, what choice? You know, fate chooses us. We are, uh, we aren't the masters of our own fate. So fate chooses us. So my question to you, Matt is, do you believe that statement? Do you believe that fate has a path already laid for us? Or do you think we are the masters of our own fate?
0: Great question. Um, no, I actually believe I that. that a person's fate isn't predecided, but there are a lot of different points throughout the life where, I mean, there's there's like a fork in the road, like two big choices, you know, like, hey, I can either go down this path or this path. I mean, you know, even, um, you know, I haven't lived a ton of life so far, you know, it'd be, it'd be in my <laughs> mid-20s, but... Yeah, there's definitely a few different like big, you know, choices I've had that come to mind. That's one of those things that you know you can you can kind of reflect and be like, hey, you know, I'm I'm very happy where I am. I wonder what would have happened if I had gone down that other road. And so I don't think a person's fate is predecided, but I think definitely that you don't get too too many of those decisions throughout life, or at least too many that you remember but they can change it in big swinging ways.
1: How about mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Well, th- well, yeah, I was just, yeah, <laughs> good, good points. Good point. I think, and we see in this movie as well is that, um, you know, it's those, it's the failures that you see that are the ones that you remember when it comes to looking down, I guess your life, you know, if you were to take your 20 something years and look down, it's, and are, are you really going to remember the great successes that came or the great failures? And I know for me that it's you can very much vividly picture the times that you felt like you've taken a big defeat mm-hmm. over the times that you... I mean, of course, we can re- recollect the things that have been good in our lives, but it's truly the, the, the defeat that kind of really resonates in your mind. You can really vividly picture it, which brings me back to what you were just saying that like we have a path and everything like that. And if we took one choice, are we to believe that like, what would that choice have been like? And I only think we come across those situations when we felt like we chose the wrong path. And because if you're happy and with the choice that you made, you don't really need to be thinking about what could have been. You're just now living the happiness and the choice that you made. You don't have to really think about that other road. But it's only at the times where we felt that like we had not made the best choice for ourselves necessarily. It might have been for someone else. And, you know, there's tons of times when we make choices for other people. But if it comes down to they didn't sit well with you, those are the times you ask yourself those questions. What could have been?
0: Right, yeah, the different timelines. You know, am I living the best timeline? <laughs> hey,
1: that that is, yeah, that's a whole nice I of worms, worms jumping it. into. <laughs> <That's
0: how
1: it> <laughs> <is>. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with that either. But I think, for the sake of the question, I kind of agree with you in the sense that there is a foundation, there is a road before us, but it's not straight, and it might come to. If you take pinnacle points in your life and make a line of it, like you know, birth, twenty years from now, if something happens, thirty years, forty years, and then there's death. You can come to it as a straight line if you mark those points on your, you know, your roadmap. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely filled with twists and turns and forks and decisions to be made. So I don't believe that fate chooses what us need to be. It's our choices that come and decide our fate but it is uncanny that just life has its ways of it's like deja vu right isn't deja vu such a crazy thing to think that we have relived moments or just have like um any sort of you know goal we have, have achieved or a road mark we've reached that felt like i was predetermined to get to this point
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah deja vu is weird um <laughs> I know how The Matrix explains <laughs> Deja vu, but <laughs> no, know, no The know Matrix, is, man.
1: So... That's another great another great film for us to watch and get into two hours worth of talking about. <laughs> yeah,
0: we can talk on that one for a while. Let's not do any of the sequels for sure. though.
1: Yeah, seriously. Seriously. So I think it's <gasps> okay. at this
0: point that uh I-, I think Worm kind of fesses up with Mike McDermott of what's going on here, that he's racked up all this debt. One person, Mm -hmm. grandma, has gone out of his way to buy it all up. And, hey, I I need you to help me, you know, win some of this money because now it's also your problem because I've Mm -hmm. (laughs) lost your money as well.
1: Right. At this point, Michael's reputation is taking a hit. He's lost his girlfriend. He's definitely shaking up things in uh, his lawyer side Mm -hmm. of his life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And right now, his main priority is getting back into the swing of things to help his friend who is obviously in some debt. Um, but so the next scene is to go visit grandma at his, basically like his hideout, his office. And it's, again, we see here that worm can't keep his mouth shut even just to save his own skin. He's got to have his rude remarks to come in because when Michael's trying to plead the case, Hey, we can set up a plan pay you off because we want to pay you like you want to get paid it's worms big mouth that sets them to a it was 15 grand in five days he had to make 15 grand in five yeah, days so that's no. three grand a day. that's uh that's terrible <laughs> oh, just thinking about going just thinking about what they had to do to go do that sounds terrible to me.
0: yeah that whole scene pissed me off because yeah you're right mike is trying to kind of you know diffuse the situation he's trying to basically set up a payment plan with grandma and then worm just opens up his because grandma seemed like he might you know be into it as well being like okay well you know i'm I'm gonna get mine he wanted wanted, he's on the
1: high seat he's on his ivory tower and they're coming to him they're begging they are necessarily begging and worm just won't take that hit to his ego in order to, you know, buy him a better sentence right now. And, uh, you know, what's great about this film and what the director, John Dahl did in the scenario. And I'll talk about it again when we get back to Teddy KGB's place, but he does a great job of really painting how disgusting these people are. Like when you walk through this, hallway into his office like you know he's got the ladies he's got hookers around but they ain't the good-looking hookers they're the ones that have been coked out string for seven days <laughs> and he answers the door in like a kimono that's like only half his size and the rest is a wife beater with a stain on it and his tidy whiteies. like Graham is if worm is a worm then grandma is a rat <laughs> he is definitely <laughs> He is definitely one of those fat looking rats you see on the New York subways yeah. that just you're thinking, how did you get so big? A rat
0: House somehow got a uh, whole slice of pizza and is carrying it around. <laughs> exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> and the director did a great job of this just for the sake that we're really seeing the underworld of New York. These guys are not to be messed around with and they're, their insides of their personalities are just disgusting as the outside of their office with their terrible looking hookers and their paint chipped walls
0: and That's everything. It's one of those scenes you can smell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can,
1: when I saw grandma's like sweaty pit stain or something like that, I smelled it <laughs> and it was, it was unpleasant.
0: Yeah. So at this point, Mike and worm, they set off, um, you know, in, First three days, I think they, you know, end up getting just over seven thousand dollars. They're going on a winning streak. You know, it's kind of more of a montage at this point. Of
1: yeah, they're just trying to find any games that they can find themselves getting into where they were. And this is important. They're not cheating anymore. Just it's all this cheating that's gotten uh, worm into the situation in mm-hmm. the first place. So Mike's Mike's determined to do this straight up. Let's find some games. Let's clean house. Honest winning.
0: Right. I mean, all they have to do is just be above average poker players against these average guys. (laughs) And so that's all they're doing.
1: Exactly. This movie does a great job. If you find yourself, listeners, as being a terrible poker player, Matt Damon does a great job of being able to help you find the suckers at the table. Hopefully it's not you, but identifying who the sucker at the table is knowing when to bet, knowing when to fold and giving yourself that like world series mentality. When you come to the poker table, it's definitely one oh one one for card gambling.
0: Oh, and I'll be honest. I am a terrible poker player. I don't know about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, all of the good. I've ever visited have walked away with some of my money. <laughs> so I've never taken any of theirs. Yeah.
0: I'm really more of a, uh, Blackjack player. I mean, you know, like I like poker, you know, like I wasn't confused at any point during this movie. You know, I obviously know the hands and stuff like that. But I don't think that I would like, you know, be betting even some of the buy-ins that they are. Um it's
1: oh yeah, it's, it's the stressful. it's this no limit hold 'em. Yeah. All this big binds, build blinds. And that's what it comes down to. It's you even notice it in a Mike talked about it when he faces off against KGB later. And he it's messing around and throwing your weight around with mm-hmm. your money. You don't even have to have good cards at some of these points. As long as you're just throwing your weight with your money and you're half decent of uh, putting on a straight face. That's sometimes all that it takes because you can't handle the swings of this game if you got you don't have the cash to play oh, yeah.
0: with. I thought that quote was great at the end, towards the end. It says he knocked out his leg in the beginning, and now all you have to do is just lean on him until he falls. Exactly. Like, yeah, that.
1: that's that's exactly what I thought of too so, for sure. So yeah, th- at this point in the film, we're on day four of this five-day rent rant, and they are like you just said close to about eight grand let's call it about eight and they still they're still about seven short and so during a point where they're taking a breather because they just went on like a 64 hour poker run they go and get uh one of those old-time barber situations get a nice fresh cut shave and worm tells of a game that's happening outside of new york but it's supposed to be uh big winnings fat stacks and they drive out there because they got no other games in town and where do they go they go to the local police right. station and they start trying to bet with some police officers that just got their paycheck and uh are you know they, they play their local games there right. so yeah. at that point yeah. So go oh, ahead. I was go gonna ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's some it's some New York State troopers, and they need to basically double what they currently have. But it's it's another frustrating situation where you know Mike wants to go in alone, tells Worm to stay in the car, basically, um, and he's doing all right for himself. You know, it's looking like he, they might get that full fifteen grand. And then Worm comes in and joins the game. It's like, oh man, come on, right. guy! Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, all he had to do was just sit still for a couple of hours. Well, I think the reason behind, I, I think the reason behind that is for a couple of reasons. But for sure, I feel like it was taking another hit to Worm's pride that I got to rely on my buddy here solely to. Fixed me out of this debt that I've had the entire time, but it's not like he didn't try. He listened to Matt at the very beginning and went to a bowling alley. It was just fate again, maybe had a play in it, but it's one of the state troopers was down by the bowling alley. And, and next thing you know, they're sitting at the same table and worm falls again into his tricks, even though, it really didn't seem like michael needed it at the time he was already up a few grand and he just needed to stay on the same path and he would have had it
0: no he didn't and yeah i mean sure enough officers catch worm i think he was dealing from the bottom of the deck
1: yeah he caught a hanger he caught a hanger <laughs> that's
0: right he caught a hanger and uh they yeah, caught a hanger they, uh, they they out both worm and mike and uh kind of just beat the shit out of them it's yeah <laughs> Ex- yeah, ex- he really did like 30 so, it was, it was, it was, yeah, yeah
1: Worm, Worm comes in with a fucking stupid slide remark are, are you supposed to read our rights or stuff like that and he just gets right yeah. hooked straight to the dub <laughs> so very much like <laughs> just like appropriate response to this guy not only getting caught cheating, but he's also going to try and run his mouth again to these cops. And I mean, there's like 20 cops here. They get beaten up. And today all their winnings that they just worked for, they're down to like 300 bucks and a few broken ribs outside the door. So it's at this point, we are really hitting the, you know, low point of these two back-to-back
0: two. movies on this show that deal with police violence <laughs> This is just, yeah, mercy. No, I, guess, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know i know but uh don't worry it was white people being on white people
0: <laughs> so it's okay yeah that's true <laughs> um so right. yeah
1: so yeah at this point michael is fed up with worm just can't he can't do it. Michael Worm is trying to go hit the, he hit the highway and run away from his problems again, but that's never been Michael's style. So he goes and visits Petrovsky oh, he, again. He, he goes visits, and visits uh, Kanish Judge. Oh, Kanish first. You're right. He goes and visits Kanish. Who's, Kanish has always been there to help him out. He's the one that got on the truck job mm-hmm. at the very beginning. He's the one that has always told him, hey, these are the, these are the rules of my playbook. This is what I've yeah. learned from my experience. Yeah, he's and, happy uh, to take him under you know, his
0: wing, and I mean, he even you know when when Mike comes up to him asking for money, Kanish is kind of like, yeah, w- what do you need? Like a grand?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. As as long as it's always like you know in you know within the means. But when he went to the when he went to that sweatshop and they ended up you know having their conversation that and Mike's asking for fifteen thousand dollars, there's just no, no. way, Kanish. Yeah, it's way too much. The $2,000 that Kanish might have gotten him, I, what, might have bought them a day? We know grandma wouldn't have fallen for that. But even if somehow it would have happened, I mean, what, he's supposed to get another thirteen grand in one day? It would never have happened. So, Kanish, Kanish had to put the foot down at one point. And uh, it's at this point. Where Michael's really coming to terms with the fact that he knew he fucked up, but it's not because he fucked up when he lost his money to Teddy KGB. He's fucked up because he he backed up Worm, and Worm was never the type of person to you know have his back for anything. So at that point, he shares his a story with Kanish, which I think is really uh, really important to understanding why Michael has acted like he does when it comes to cards and why it's always been gnawing at the back of his mind through all those months he had to do the truck job and try and become a mm-hmm. lawyer do you remember the story yeah, he
0: uh he ran into a world series of poker player i forget the guy's first name something chan johnny, johnny chan. chan and he's an actual oh, poker player people so
1: the yeah, yeah, this isn't just some sort of actor and stuff like that. Johnny Chin is actually a World Series of Poker champion. So if you want to look him up, yeah, so go he ahead. He up
0: sitting at the same table as him. I think he only had like, you know, 6,000 at that point. Um, it was yeah, real
1: small fry for because they were playing at like, I think it was like 300, 600 buy ins, 300, 600 bids. So, I mean, if anyone actually wanted to sit at that table, and play more than like an hour <laughs> worth of poker losing all your money, you'd have to have at least 20 right, Gs. Definitely. Right. So what happens? How does that play out? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I think it uh, just comes down to the two of them at the end. Um, you know, Mike doesn't actually have anything in his hands, but, you know, he just uh, keeps on, you know, up in the ante. Um,
1: he wants to outplay him for sure. It's, it's, it's a sense of like, I think I can take this guy. I don't even need to have the cards to have it. I think I can run it. And so it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a raise on a re-raise to a re-raise and Johnny gives him the look, but then tosses the cards in and folds the hand. And he's like, did you have it? I'm sorry, John. I don't remember. (laughs) I
0: don't remember John. (laughs) Man, great Matt Damon impression. (laughs) Have you been working on that? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man this is Matt Damon after 20 years of chain smoking
0: how you like them apples John <laughs> <Sean. laughs> uh,
1: yeah so I guess in a sense he knew that he had the opportunity and the means to beat the best of the best right. at the game so but now now he, now he GGG, actually
0: in the beginning
1: yeah and now he wants to know he wants to let Kanish know that you know I'm not just throwing my money to the wind here. You know, I I believe I can do it. And even though it's a gambling game and when you go to casinos, there's always a sense of believing that like the casino is meant to take your money, whether it's the odds or what have you, it's the house nine out of 10 times is going to win. But when it comes to games like blackjack and I guess for here, Texas Hold'em sure. poker, it's, it, it's, Strategy. Yeah. It's not the house that you're playing against. It's the fact that you can actually outskill people. It's not just outlock
0: people. Definitely. And so after he mm-hmm. meets with Kanish, it's, you know, refused. He does meet up with uh, his law school professor, Petrovsky. Um,
1: yeah, this is the point that right. That
0: and uh, he does end right. up loaning him
1: $10,000. Right, right. So it's definitely a. Begging, begging, plea case here, but
0: and he knows that I don't know after I, you know, after he goes and has to grovel with Petrovsky, I think he knows at that point that his uh law school career is done,
1: yeah. Whether, well, um, well, we all you're you're right in the sense that he, he all this time that he was studying to be a law, and he had his one exam to do it, he did fail it at the film. I mean, he made an utter fool of himself just for how lack of preparedness he was. But it's, yeah, it's really at this meeting with Petrovsky, he comes to realization that, and I think the important part here is also, you know, when Petrovsky asks like, why do you need this money? He really does paint the picture that, you know, I'm not the one at fault here. I backed the wrong person. I'm not in trouble Mm -hmm. with law. It's a gambling debt for someone else. And I don't know if I would have the, willpower like Petrovsky to hurt to throw 10 grand to this, you know, this kid who I really don't know all that much about, but it's at that point that I think it's important that he knows that it wasn't his fault that he could take, the, he needs this money more than I'll ever get. Yeah, definitely. That's Petrovsky. I think I mean- Petrovsky. Michael needs the money than I'll ever need this 10 grand in my life
0: you see in a couple of different scenes before this one where you know Matt Damon and Petrovsky played by Martin Landau um, you know he he sees the good in Matt Damon's character that I mean he knows that he's not just like cutting and running with his money I mean basically you know even if he never gets this it's the 10, facts of life back, he
1: takes the good he takes the bad, the well, facts of life
0: he knows even if he never gets right. his money back, that I mean, it was um, I guess better served for you know. Uh.
1: Right, right. It was. I mean, the it's tough for Matt to have to go to someone like that and ask for money. I mean, not to, I mean for all humans, I think we all get a little uncomfortable asking for money, but for such a large amount and coming to him after he'd just taken that beating from the police officer, his face is all banged up. He's got nowhere else to go. It really takes a lot of cojones for Matt to go that way. And Petrovsky being, I guess the good hearted person and sees the good in Matt Damon, just like couldn't, it couldn't be helped. It needed to be done. It needed to be done. Speaking of, you know, fate choosing us, that was, the fork in a road for Petrovsky. He would, if he didn't do that $10,000, he would have been asking,
0: what if? Mm-hmm. Would have never seen Matt Damon again. <laughs> yeah, that's for
1: sure. He would have been buried in a hole yeah. somewhere, right next to Be wearing some concrete shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grandma and his half-sized kimono and everything. But, yeah, he wouldn't have never seen him again. But, here we are at the point, we're back to where the movie started, and, uh, Michael goes back down to Teddy KGB's place and plays Petrovsky for his money. He basically, to, he, at this point, he's only 15 grand in the hole for the day. So he, they only do a 10000 for 10000 That's how it starts. He only comes in there with 10000 Petrovsky says, I'll match you. And whoever walks away with all the money that's wins, right. that's how it starts. And, uh, again, John Dahl does a really great job of really painting the picture here of how desolate of a place this was. This is not a place you bring the kids. Half the walls are falling apart. You have to buzz in through the door with a camera pointed at your face. And there's some really sketchy-looking guys in here, not just John Novavich's character, but any of these other guys that are pulled up at some of the side poker tables. Uh, they could have been just as much influenced by the KGB as Teddy was.
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody in here was uh, Mike McDermott's friend. <laughs> I, you know, I was expecting mm, yeah, that even if he wins yeah, this Texas holding game that? that, you know, he might not be walking out of there.
1: <laughs> For sure, yeah. And this, so this was his last chance to do it. Yeah, for so they sure.
0: play no limits Texas Hold'em. At this point, it kind of felt like um, you know the uh, in boss fight <laughs> in a video game. It's just uh, it's just one on one, him and Teddy KGB.
1: hmm Yeah, and uh, it goes rather swiftly. I mean, there was one large hand that we watch play out, and where Michael takes the pot from John uh, Malkovich's character Teddy. And it, it was a such a large amount of sum of money to, not the entire bankroll, but enough to the point where Michael had a fat lead a ahead of him. And it, at that point, all he, he didn't need a bluff. He didn't need to do anything out of the ordinary other than just keep putting the money down play the good hands. And it seemed that, uh, you know, Teddy wouldn't be able to build back off of that just for the fact that he didn't have the coins right, to play with. Right, wear them
0: down. And here's where that quote came in of, you know, knock out his leg in the, you know, first round, and then you can just lean on him until he falls. Um,
1: exactly, exactly. So not even the half, half the night's played out right now, and Michael's walking away with his 20 grand. But before he can walk out, Teddy's talking about how unsatisfied he is and is doing exactly what Worm's been doing throughout the whole film, which is edging Michael to play more play more cards. And how does he do it? He gets grandma to come in from the side room and he just starts picking up all of Michael's money because it's it's money owed. So technically it's all grandma's money anyway.
0: Yeah. So Yeah
1: and and he and he even Well, I was gonna say that
0: he, he did win 20,000 out of it. So he would have been taking five himself and he, he does kind of remark. Yeah. But
1: you're also um, not, sorry, go ahead. You did. Yeah. I was just saying, you weren't going to mention the fact that he was still down 30,000 from the very beginning of the movie. So even though, even though he was, he was paying Michael with his own money. And
0: that's how he kind of goads him by saying that he's paying him with his own money that, you know, he's still out ahead um, in the grand scheme of things. And man, I, you know, it would have been easy for Matt Damon at that point to uh, walk out. Like, yeah, I mean, he still has to, uh, you know, pay up a little bit to um, Petrovsky. Uh, I, he, he would,
1: and what he owes at Chesterfield. Right
0: yeah, so you see, still would have had some work to do. But, you know, he would have been out of there. It would have been the safe move. But, man, this scene reminded me of uh, – I just rewatched all three of the um, – Back to the Future movies, pretty recently. And yeah, this doesn't happen in the first one, but in the second and third ones, something weird happens with Marty McFly that his biggest defining character persona is that if somebody calls him a chicken, that he has <laughs> to do whatever anybody wants him to do, and it's I
1: fall mean, <laughs> the you peer that pressure the second Just,
0: and third movies.
1: I yeah, I definitely remember it. It's like someone it's like if you're at a party and someone wants you to you know do a keg stand until you pass out and as long as they're chanting your name you'll do it. <laughs> like it's really it's really just peer pressure oh, down man. to its yeah. finest. I mean it becomes and, yeah, party reply does not like being called. It becomes a his biggest, the
0: biggest the the biggest thing about his character when, and that wasn't even a thing that existed in the uh First movie, but this reminded me of that, and that Matt Damon's walking away, and then <laughs> Teddy KGB is there, like, hump- chief, <laughs> chief, 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 chief. chief. Yeah, just make, he's just making
1: chicken noises in the background. Yeah. He's like, oh man, don't start with me. <laughs> well, don't start with me, Teddy. He's
0: humping the air and talking about how he's still out ahead, and so Matt Damon, yeah, <laughs> he does the one eighty, <laughs> he says, hey, you know, like, yeah, let, let, let's get back to it.
1: Yep. So they raised the blinds. I guess what? He's got 20 grand sitting right right there now. So he's got, he's still got money to play with and it definitely paints further on the next scene that Michael just made a huge mistake because he's down to no more money. And that's when we kind of get a sense of, can we actually read Teddy? This is the defining moment. Can we finally get Teddy's read and whether or not we can get, uh, what's, it, his, what's it called? His tell. Uh, his tell. Thank you. Yeah. So, basically, uh, starting to play a hand. And when Michael puts up the money for a bet, it's when he gets back to the Oreo cookies. And I, like I said, I think whether or not it's he looking at the cookie or it's whether or not he eats the cookie or not, but he gets the tell he finds the tell he f- knows that Malkovich gets this hand. It's a straight up, uh, straight turn of the cards on the turn. He, but Michael throws away his double pair, which I like double pairs. I think that's good. Whenever I play Texas hold on, I'm like, all right, I got something to work with here. But the fact that he could get Teddy's tell totally throws him oh, out of whack. Yeah. He can't believe it. Yeah, he can't believe that he just got red right there. And it's important to notice that, like, especially for anyone who wants to learn how to play Texas Hold'em better, and said in the movie, you don't really want to let someone know that you know their tell so that you can just take, keep taking the chips off of them every single time that they show their tell. But yeah, since Michael only had the remainder of the night to try and get his money back, because he just lost a good significant uh, amount of it again because it was that's just the swings for Texas hold 'em. He just wanted to get into Teddy's head.
0: Yeah, and he definitely rattles Teddy KGB up um for the rest of the uh game. So I mean, yeah, I mean even though he was uh playing down on that hand, he, you know, didn't bet at all and basically just left enough that uh he kind of turns the swing of things and ends up winning the uh entire game
1: yeah so in this part of the film and we forgot I forgot to mention it because it wasn't that huge part until now is that there's a point in the film where matt damon's character michael is just sitting in his apartment alone and he's watching this old video of johnny chan and it's like the 1997 world poker series or something like that and he's just rewatching this last scene over and over again of the last hand that was played during the tournament against the last competitor and how he just showed all this immense amount of patience and basically baited his opponent in because he had a turn flop hand winner. He already knew that off the first three cards turned for Texas Hold'em that he had the winning hand, but he checked the whole way to try and bait him in and bait him in because he knew he had something to work with, but it was never going to be what he had. And it's at that point he went all in and it's the same correlation happens with Michael here and Teddy. He just basically repeats that whole um, move back into the scene. He baits Teddy in thinking that Teddy has these cards to play with. And now that he knows his tell and he's got this, a uh, great looking set of cards on the turn that he manages to rattle Teddy enough to have him get him in a position where he's been all of his chips. And then he took them all, man. He just took all the yeah, money. He
0: outmaneuvered some. And, uh,
1: yeah. Crazy amount of money, like 60, 60 grand, grand. He I walked away right.
0: with them. Yeah. And so, he yeah, throws a little bit of a, hand for him but i mean you know he he calls off his uh his goons you know matt damon's still gonna be able to walk out of there um
1: yeah what kind of yeah what kind of uh reputation would he give himself if every time he lost a, lost a hand of cards he put a bullet in you <laughs> or something like that yeah i'm sure that would get him in trouble with the kgb but i bet you that would get him in trouble with all of his north new york influences yeah. too so had to, he had to let him walk out of there, which couldn't have been more of a like a debilitating defeat for him because he had been walking around that club the entire time, All high and Mighty. Like he is Teddy. Like that name carries weight in New York. And just to have this kid who he showed up 30 grand like what a year later he comes back and takes all of his bankroll, it's got to be a real blow to the ego. Yeah,
0: puts him back in his place. And so you're right. For yeah, sure. So Mike wins $60,000. That's enough to settle all his debts. But then also um, get him right back to where he was in the beginning of the movie, basically, of you know, 30 grand. I think he says three stacks of high society.
1: Three stacks of high society. That's, that's how I'm going to start talking about money now <laughs> when I go to the bank. Like I'm ever going to walk out of the bank with 10 grand for any sort of reason. But if I do, I'm going to call it high society.
0: <laughs> I have got a <laughs> but, stack of high society.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm like on the fourth floor. Yeah, yeah I haven't gotten all the way up
0: there yet, but,
1: Yeah, exactly. But it is funny how this movie just takes a full, complete turn. Uh, I mean, the time length of it all together is probably somewhere around right almost around a year. year right? so. Because there's
0: nine yeah, months right in between that. that original scene where he loses the thirty thousand and where it picks back. Right, right.
1: and then he takes it. Yeah, and then he takes about a couple weeks here with all the things he does with Worm and his game with Teddy and stuff like that. So uh, the movie really does just take a full circle in the sense of Michael's right. life, like he lost and had to build himself all the way back up but at the end of the day he really is only breaking even but it's his character that grows up and his understanding of who what the kind of person he wants to be and so at that time he really just gives up his chances of becoming a lawyer he does settle things with his Mm -hmm. girlfriend at the end which is kind of cute i guess but like wasn't necessarily needed. I would say that in the film, like you didn't need to do anything to settle things up with the girlfriend, but like it did happen. So that's a nice little warm spot, I guess, for I any of the viewers, but on
0: that relationship, I mean, I, I wasn't very exactly. It's a, it's a cherry.
1: <laughs> on, it's a cherry on the Sunday. We'll call it. But then it's, uh, Michael's, uh, mission now to go to Vegas where, uh, it's an ambiguous ending. It leaves just him heading to the airport. But we all know that he's going to take his run at the big time and try and win that million-dollar World Series of Poker title.
0: Yeah, And so that's where the movie leaves off him going to go play in the World Series of Poker.
1: Right. One thing about this movie that I wanted to pinpoint is, like,
0: maybe it's just, like,
1: it's the soundtrack of the film is what I want to bring up. But I don't know if you heard it, but it made me think immediately almost of, like, the jason Bourne films and also like the music that was played maybe it's that like 90s go-to soundtrack of like violins and like background music it's very like ambiotic you know it's, it doesn't have to it really just like sets the tone i guess of the film but i swear i feel like i heard the same thing in the jason Bourne films and the good and goodwill hunting it's just <laughs> it's like, all
0: just the mad damon connection huh I guess so. I want to find
1: out who this orchestra is, or whoever the you know the musicians were, but it's they all they all mesh well very together of just the same like violins and like ooh, ambiotic noises, like really just like flowing in there. I don't know, can't even describe yeah. it, but oh. something that I noticed. No,
0: that's a that's a good point. I don't I don't know that anything in the soundtrack really jumped out and grabbed me. Um, I don't remember much of it, and honestly, I had you know seen this movie before a few years back, just one time, but I <laughs> I didn't remember much of it at all, other than you know I, I remember the the characters in it, you know, uh, Matt Damon and uh, Edward Norton played Worm, but I didn't remember any of the big story beats really landed with me. Um,
1: yeah, it's I mean, other than other than really what's going on with Worm and then the, the ending 20 minutes or so with his, I would even, I would say even call it 30 minutes from like what happened at the police station, them getting beat up to the point that they go f- uh, have that showdown at Teddy KGB's place. But a lot of it just like really revolves around Worm and the fact that, you know, Matt Damon's just this ordinary dude trying to make it through New York. It's only until, you know, Worm gets into trouble and, he's realizing that he can't really control his life of being a lawyer anymore that he just turns and goes, Hey, I'm just going to go back to what I know and go back to gambling and being a rounder." That's what they call it. Uh, that he, you know, uh, there are rounders that they were the, what is the, what's Kanish do the entire time that they call it? Like, uh, like pencil pushing or something like that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I know what you're saying. It, I don't
0: have the what, answer.
1: Yeah. you were saying it don't have the answer for it but yeah just you know they don't have normal jobs but they're doing their rounds and making enough to you know make sure that you know their kids are eating and stuff like that paying paying the rent this
0: is what they do um
1: this is what they do yeah
0: i'm gonna say i i really liked uh one of the so in the opening scene is kind of a um you know narration voiceover by matt damon um, at the end of it, there's a really good line. Uh, if you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. <laughs> right. I thought that was a great right. way to start the movie. Um,
1: Most of my game, my poker experiences has been through – like. I mean, I've gone to ca- casinos before where I'm sure that if I was sitting at the table, I was the sucker. But uh, playing with my friends, I know that I'm not the sucker, but I just don't know how to gamble well enough and know when to place my bets to the point where I'm walking out with money. So I'm just going to, I'll let like all my luck go towards like <laughs> important things in my life. But if it ever comes to gambling, I just don't have the luck. The luck is not entering the casino
0: with me. Oh, man. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm getting drained <laughs> if I go in there and stay. Exactly.
1: It leaves me, me at the entrance and say, I'll be waiting here for you when you get out. Don't lose too much money. And I'm like, see ya. <laughs> I'm going to lose as much money as I
0: can. Yeah, so um, you said that you, you've seen this movie like, what, what would you say, five times, ten times? Somewhere around there? You've watched a lot more Ooh, than like,
1: I have. Yeah, a few times. Oh, okay. A few times for sure. Would you... But, I mean, I, yeah, expectation going into it. Like, I just like the fact that it's a gambling movie. Again, I thought all the actors and actresses that were being played were excellent at their roles. They all did... I mean, the acting was a great job. And so was the plot. I thought the plot was great. I mean, we're always the type of people that want to help out our friends. But at the same time, though... Uh, it's it comes to those points of who do you know who are really, who are, who are your real friends? And, uh, you know, Matt was Matt Damon's character was being the true friend, but, you know, Edward Norton's was just being the leech that he was being, being the worm. And uh, it had a very climactic ending. So I'm fine with giving this a great, a good grade, definitely a seven or an eight out of 10 for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's, it's definitely worth a watch. I mean, you know, it's not going to be like, you know, anybody's favorite movie or anything. I think it's one of those things that, you know, you you put on, you're going to keep engaged with it. It's got a good plot. Things keep on going. Um, you know, you don't really need to know anything about poker at all going in. I mean, you know, they, they, they kind of tell you what's going on, um, as the, uh, yeah,
1: other than like other like than the fact that if you didn't know what the difference like sequence of cards meant and which one beats another in the sense of like a pair beats a double pair or whatever, you know that uh, that's the only t- th- time that I feel like you would have difficulty understanding. But uh, I mean. If you just follow along, you'll know who wins the hands. Right.
0: Movie. Yeah. I mean they, they do the close up on the cards as you know, they're checking them at the table. If you if you didn't know the hands, you wouldn't know what that means. But you can look at the characters' reactions and you know, they it's a movie. Like you know, they're they're not trying to lose any of the audience or anything like that. But I will say Exactly. And I think I yeah, go I ahead. I like the movie. I don't know that I would recommend it for everybody though. I mean, it's uh I think it was well directed, but it it does show that like 1998 kind of a uh, movie glaze on it. I mean, it's it, it definitely looks and you know sounds and feels like a 90s movie. Yeah. You know, you see some of the stuff that they're yeah, wearing. And... You can feel, you can feel the VHS. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can definitely feel the VHS. Yeah, I'm with you there.
1: I'm with you there. It's definitely a 90s film. So, I mean, anyone that's, you know, we're growing past the 90s and stuff like that and we're watching those types of films, you can just tell it's the hairstyles, it's the, uh, I guess, the type of cinematography at the time, well, what have you. And uh, like I was saying, too, I don't think they did a fantastic job of painting Michael's uh, career as being a lawyer. And... He, even though he put so much work in towards it, and maybe it, it was the influence of his girlfriend, but, like, he wasn't that upset to leave his lawyer life behind to go play poker. Like, all this work that he had put towards it, they, they really didn't do a good representation of him just, like, dropping it. And the same thing also goes to his girlfriend walking out on him. There was a scene where the, we walks into his apartment and the apartment's empty because his girlfriend took all of her things and left and immediately after they find out about that like warm convinces him to go to the casino and he's like oh yeah let's just go to the casino i'm gonna put on a happy face like definitely didn't care that his girlfriend of many years yeah he
0: got out. over it pretty quickly
1: <laughs> pretty quickly so like there were a t- couple of times where i was just like they could have probably done this a little bit better maybe that's just because it was matt damon's young career maybe that's what it, but i think it could have been portrayed a little bit better and like i was saying before i've seen this movie many times and uh i try not to let my bias like influence the movies we watch and some like of that but this definitely has like a nostalgia factor of like i remember this is a good movie <laughs> i like all the i mean I, if anything i think it's a good plot for a film and the if you really can't beat the that cast really really good actors play.
0: i'm looking so. at the um Cover art for this movie here, and it's it's Matt Damon, Edward Norton, and the girlfriend Joe sandwiched between the two of them, all just kind of like brooding into the camera. And you know, underneath it says yeah, it's, Like, it's, there is no way that you would ever know that this movie that cla- is about poker <laughs> if you looked at it. Exactly,
1: it's that classic like. I, I'm saying it again. It's that classic 90s VHS like box cover where it's like you see all the main actors' face or their bodies on the front of the cover, and then they'll just like put a background on right. the back of it. And they're like, this is the movie. Do you know what it's about? No, you yeah, the don't.
0: point is, I mean, I, I guess back then with blockbusters, if you're walking past <laughs> all the VHS box covers or something, you, you know, you see Matt Damon or you see Edward Nord, you don't recognize this girl between them, but she's not even a main character in the movie, basically. And then you're like, oh, I recognize oh, these people. Thing- right, let, let me try this <laughs> one out. Rounders, I don't know what that is, but
1: <laughs> yeah, you, that makes you I mean, like you make a good point, but what, doesn't that just like doesn't that strengthen the argument that that box cover should have looked better? Yeah, <laughs> should maybe had a couple
0: of playing cards on it or something like something. that. <laughs> or, or just featured, uh, you know I mean? Teddy KGB on it on the front and nobody else. <laughs> That's all you need.
1: Right. Right. Get, get, yeah, get Joe off of there. She played such an insignificant part and put John Malkovich somewhere because he was the
0: antagonist. All right, Michael toughest question of the night. Are you ready for this one?
1: I'm ready. Which off, movie's man.
0: better, Rounders or 21?
1: Oh. Oh. Uh, Kevin Spacey, man. Mm. <laughs>
0: Is that a pro or a con?
1: No. Well, well okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like Kevin Spacey. I think he's a great actor. His personal life, you made some questionable right. decisions there. But I think he did a great job in like House of Cards and stuff like that. Oh. And, I mean, Kevin Spacey's been around forever. I love, um, oh my goodness, what's this movie called? American um, Beauty? American Beauty. Yeah. Thank you. American Beauty, that's a fantastic movie. I like Rounders better than 21. And um, I think 21 had a great plot. Do I think that the teenage cast that they picked to play was good? No. Um, and also, just like, Kevin Spacey ended up turning into, like, the villain character in that movie. But I don't think he did, like, a fantastic job portraying that and stuff like that. And just, like, the whole 21 movie where they're, like, trying to get back into the casinos to make the money. And they're doing their whole, like, Ocean's Eleven scheme of, like, you know, trying to, you know, switch the, the bags and stuff like that with the money in it. It just seemed a little like cartoony, home alone villain planet. Oh, I
0: agree one hundred percent. Yeah, Rounders is the better movie, yeah. hands down. And I mean, you know, not to say, 21's fine, but it, in the same way that uh, you know, Rounders oozes late nineties. Uh, I feel like Twenty One oozes like is early it, mid two thousands. It's just like ugh, <laughs> you know, like it's. I would watch yeah, Rounders any day of the week over Twenty One.
1: Yeah, and even just for the sake that I think that I have a better cast, um, I think that with, you know, the whole um, – we get a lot more uh, cards. View, like uh, with 21, it's, it's much more about yes. the space and, and, and the wanting to get the money and stuff like that and less about the game. And less about cards where if you're going to make a card film and like a betting, like a gambling film, it should. There are lot of the filming should be done around the poker table or the blackjack table or whatever like that. And even though that like 21, it was around the casino a lot, it ended up turning into this goose chase film that I just was like not interested about uh, as much as, you know, what I saw from.
0: Ralph. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a very good point. Focuses less on the actual game.
1: Yeah, and learn more about the money and trying to, you know, get back the money that Kevin Spacey's, you know, stole from them and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's where that, that's where I'm putting my vote, and I'm sticking to it. People.
0: Nice. Well, I mean, I think this was a great thanks. pick, Michael. Oh, my goodness, flushing over the over phone.
1: Again. Thank <laughs> you. <This laughs> over awesome. the phone. Rosy red cheeks. Yeah, thanks, man. I I appreciate you uh, watching it again with me. I think that uh, we're doing a good
0: job picking good. Films. And I will watch any film with you. Make it entertaining. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, thank <laughs>
1: you. Uh, well, hey man, is there anything, any other topics or points that you want to point out or uh, mention that we may we may have missed? No,
0: I think we covered most everything with Rounders. Um, yeah, it's a pretty by the books movie, but it is good. I mean, you know, there's a lot worse ways that you can spend two hours. <laughs> a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. movies. Um, I will say,
1: yeah, if you're looking for a blast from the past and you have a couple hours to kill, I would definitely recommend this film. Especially if you're one to that enjoys uh gambling and learn and learning, more. or any of you that are trying to learn of how to be better at poker, because I do think this film actually has some good, move good points. Point.
0: I will say, I know that this movie has streamed in the past on Netflix. I think that's where I caught it the first time that I watched it. Uh, I don't think it still is on Netflix or many of the major streaming services.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, it is one of those films that you just going to have to either find it on YouTube or something like that or maybe across TV on like, I don't know, like TNT. Well,
0: something. yeah, I'm sure it still airs on TNT or TPS or whatever. I did catch it on a streaming service called Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A. And that sounds like it's going to give your computer a virus, but it's actually a pretty cool service that uh, there's a bunch of free movies and TV shows on there if you have a library card.
1: A library card? like Any library uh, card?
0: Oh, I think your your local library has to um, opt into the service. But the woman in the county that i'm in um it, it it is eligible for hoopla but i mean there's a lot of good selections and stuff on there like i know uh i the only other movie i've watched on there because i just recently did it was uh what we do in the shadows if you've ever seen that
1: movie uh, well you mean the well, show right a tv show yeah. now
0: but it started as a movie Oh, oh, I haven't seen the movie, but I really enjoyed the. I trip. haven't seen oh, the TV yeah. show, but I really enjoyed the movie. So, yeah, we got uh, to trade notes. <laughs> Two Ps in a pod, Matt. Two Ps. <laughs> you complete me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you can catch it on Hoopla now after you listen to this podcast. Or, I mean, you know, eventually it will probably make its way back to Netflix. I feel like most things do. You know, they just get into um, uh, different mm-hmm. licensing deals, stuff like that.
1: For sure, for sure. So go, go and find it if you'd like to see it. And again, this was a film a podcast meant to go into more depth and explore some things. We're here to discuss it, not to just because we
0: have. To. Yeah. So thanks everybody for listening to our podcast on Rounders. Um, you know, obviously, if you're making it to the end here we think that you've probably already watched the movie cause we've spoiled everything about it. But if you haven't go check it out. I mean, you know, don't, don't take our word for anything that we've said about, um, the movie, just go check it out for yourself. I mean, it's, I think it's a recommendation for both of us. There's, it, there's not too, too many poker movies that come to mind. So this is probably one of the best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually a really good question. I can't think of a ton of movies just dedicated to playing cards and stuff like that that are just about cards, but this is definitely one of them. Uh and it's a good one. It's a good one. So and of course we recommend this, but all of the movies that we watch we recommend good. So even if they're not good in their own ways, they're gonna be some cult callings or something like that. So
0: one of the best oh yeah i mean we're a discussion podcast not a rating podcast i mean any movie that you watch out there somebody's put their blood sweat and tears into it and so you know the point's never to knock down somebody else's hard work so you know recommend any movie but i do over the course of this podcast want to uh steer into watching some you know objectively bad funny movies
1: you know me, man. I'll be I'll be there right there serving the popcorn. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us.
1: Yes, appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of your yep. days.
0: All right. Take care. And until the next one, we will see you.
1: Signing off.